0: Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, Tongue Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, your team every single day during the weekday. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Spotify and all the other places where you listen to this show and all of your favorite shows across the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council where every single Friday, like today, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions as you ask me whatever you want to ask as it pertains your Carolina Panthers. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can either at me at Julian Council or DM me at Julian Council. But first, make sure to follow me on Twitter first at Julian Council. And today is Friday, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this week's edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag, starting off with Aaron. He says... This question is about the fans' reaction to Matt Rule. Constant booing and fire Rule chants. Do you think that reaction is based solely on the poor play on the field? Or do you think it is also because when Rule was hired, it seemed like the end of an era for the Panthers? Cam released the first time, Luke retiring, Olsen going elsewhere, and TD going elsewhere. And that is actually a fantastic question when looking at the fan response to embattled head coach Matt Rule entering his third year and a vital Pivotal offseason here in 2022. Now, the first part of it, though, is, yeah, the play on the field is first and foremost why people aren't a huge fan of Matt Rule. Last season, going 5-11, and most folks didn't expect the Carolina Panthers to play well, and all the anger went towards Teddy Bridgewater. It didn't go towards Matt Rule. The owner talked about how he didn't want Bridgewater here. Matt Rule eventually threw Teddy Bridgewater under the bus after the season was over with. That's where all of the anger from Carolina Panthers fans went to in 2020 in year one of Matt Rule. After letting Bridgewater go and then bringing on Darnold and then failing, now the anger's gone towards Matt Rule because they did not see the improvement in the win column. Had the Panthers won eight games people would not be as mad as they are with Matt Rule. Had they won eight games, that also probably would have meant either Cam Newton helped save the season and Cam would have a chance to be the starting quarterback next year, or Sam Darnold wasn't complete ass water this year. To, I guess, make a reference to Teddy Bridgewater's nickname from a lot of fans. That's part of the reason, probably the main reason, because of the way he's performed. Also, I think in large part it is of how he's treated some of the beloved players, Luke Kuechly decided, hey, I'm done with it. The injuries, the concussions, I'm gone. He stayed on as a scout for the team, but left after a year, went on. Buffalo, people freaked out. You mean, he just went to hang out with Sean McDermott and his friends in Buffalo. People freaked out about, oh, my God, how could this happen? No big deal. Greg Olson, aging player, multiple foot injuries over the last couple seasons. He did not want to be a part of a rebuild. He let that be known after the Saints game in Week 17 at home where they got blown out. He goes to Seattle. That Seattle team makes the playoffs. He also gets injured again. So Greg was on his last legs anyway, retired, does a great job in TV. Thomas Davis, aging player, made more sense for him to go with Ron to Washington than stay here. Now the whole Cam Newton situation, the way that was handled has led to a lot of the vitriol that we see the fan base plays towards Matt Rule because of how they played up the whole drama of it, and Rule saying he wants Cam Newton, but then they decided to get rid of Cam Newton in favor of Teddy Bridgewater, who we knew day one was never going to be the franchise quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. And because of that, fans did not get behind Teddy Bridgewater. Then when Teddy played poorly, and they brought in Sam, and both those guys didn't work out, that led to a lot of the hatred that you see of Matt Rule. It was like, hey, you had a guy who we loved. You didn't want him. And then once your guys didn't work out, you bring him back. And then when you bring him back, you basically throw him under the bus and provide criticism that you won't provide to your guy, Sam Darnold, who was worse than Cam Newton and has never done anything here in Carolina or in a National Football League. That's where I think a lot of the fan reaction, negative reaction comes when it comes when as it pertains to Matt rules. Thank you for the question there, Aaron. Moving on to Josh. He says, hey, Julian, this is sort of a long-winded question, so I'll get started. Since we've seen David Tepper be impatient and knowing that Matt Rule is on the hot seat, would it be a good idea to throw a bag, in all caps, at Teron Armstead and try to do a sign-and-trade of Hassan Reddick in the draft, one of the top picks in some more draft capital and get Iki Ikuanu from NC State? That would instantly boost our O-line, and if they like Brady Christensen at right or left guard, that will leave our only real gap at center. I don't really see him being available at six and him being Iki Aquamwu from NC State, who, by the way, is listed as the number one guard from Mel Kiper Jr. I have seen Dane Brugler, who does mock drafts over for the Athletic. He had Okwanwu going number one overall. To, I believe, Jacksonville has a number one pick again this year. So, going down to Jacksonville to protect Trevor Lawrence. So, let's start off with this. You talked about Teron Armstead, who is the left tackle currently of the New Orleans Saints. going to be a free agent. Someone who's close to the team I spoke to about a month, maybe two ago, said the Carolina Panthers will very likely end up signing Teron Armstead to be their left tackle for next season, which would be awesome. He's experienced. He's still young enough of a player as I think he's only about 30 or so, like 30, 31, which fixed the position for a couple seasons and you can sign him for a four or five year deal. Yeah, he's age 30 right now, be 31 next season. I'd be down with that. Now you also ask about doing a sign and trade with Hassan Reddick in the draft, one of the top picks in some draft capital, and then get Iki Okuanwu. The whole thing with the sign-and-trade, though, like, look at the NBA. Like, the NBA has their draft, then free agency. and the NFL, it's opposite. Free agency comes a m- two months before the even draft gets here, so you can't really deal with that whole sign-and-trade kind of deal. Like, you have to commit to Hassan Redick if you're going to commit to him. You're not going to end up trading him on draft night. So I, I don't really see that happening. Um, in terms of, I think a will probably will be there at six, but if he, and here's the thing, if Mel Kiper jr, who also thought Roshan Slater was a guard last year, and that's what the Panthers thought, I don't see them changing their opinion. And if they get Armstead, there's their left tackle. They already have their right tackle in Taylor Moten. You have a guard in Brady Christensen. We'll see what happens. Maybe Deontay Brown gets an opportunity. And then really all they're looking for is a center. I would say the pick should be at number six, um, Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa, if that's the situation. So that's how I feel about that uh, there, Josh. Thank you. All right. Alex said, if BNME is inexplicably passed on again, this off season's head coaching cycle, would he be the top option for the Panthers next off season? After we fire rule, he will be an option. Um, Cause it looks like he's not going to get a job as looking at the NFL coaching cycle right now. Denver just hired Nathaniel at the OC from green Bay, Chicago, Hired Matt Eruvluce, the defensive coordinator from the Colts. The Giants look like they're probably gonna end up hiring Brian Flores. as Dan Quinn's gonna stay in Dallas? And Brian Dable appears to be going to the Miami Dolphins. Minnesota has not hired anyone yet. I don't think Bienaimes interviewed with them. And in Jacksonville, if they get things figured out, looks like they're gonna hire Byron Leftwich. Houston TBD could be Gerard Mayo. Uh, Las Vegas, there's been talks of a. Dave Ziegler, GM, and Josh McDaniels had coach pairing. And in New Orleans, probably going to go to Dennis Allen. So, yeah, it looks like the enemy is not going to get a job. I would say next year, the top candidates, again, will be, if McDaniels doesn't end up getting a job, would be probably Josh McDaniels. You'll hear Dan Quinn's name, which won't be popular here in Carolina since he didn't really do great after that Super Bowl collapse. i never forget, twenty eight three, blew that lead in Atlanta when he was a hot name. This past coaching cycle, didn't get a job. Jim Caldwell may get a look. He's experienced. He'll probably get paired with a young quarterback. If they're not able to figure the quarterback situation this year. Uh, I would also say Doug Peterson would be a name to look out for next season if things don't work out. But yeah, BNME will enemy will get an opportunity. I don't know how close to he was to getting this job last time around, but maybe David Tepper will get outside his comfort zone and hire someone who doesn't look like him and doesn't dress like crap and wasn't a short-order cook before. We will see. And I guess I probably should also throw out Sean Payton, who went on a Dan Patrick show and said that he's not going to rule out coaching in the NFL again. I think he just wants a break, and he'll be back probably as the top name in 2023. Carolina Panther fans might have hated him back when he was with New Orleans, but I'm sure they would love to have him here. Sean Payton will be a name. Also, Dallas, look out for them to maybe move on from Mike McCarthy, and if that happens, going to be tough to be able to hire Sean Payton. All right, going to take a quick pause and then get right back to your mailbag questions here in just a moment. Hey, Panther fans, this is Julian Council with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called GetUpside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store right now. Use promo code touchdown for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back by using Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code touchdown for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as Championship Sunday is upon us. BetOnline.ag remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. New year, which means a new updated desktop and mobile website, so sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From the NFL to college basketball, the NBA, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for. 2022 but online is the fastest and the easiest way to wager in all your favorite sports but online where the game starts all right let me get back to your questions let's start off with james who says is it important that ben mcadoo reinstalls the two-back system that has been so successful for us in the past love the show and i'll be listening on friday thanks so much james um I don't think it's all that important. i am I'm still of the opinion that when Christian McCaffrey is healthy, like that's the guy who needs to be touching the ball primarily out of the backfield. Now I understand I'm willing to admit it now that yes, they need to unfortunately monitor his touches and make sure that he's around for 2026 20, or whenever, because the last two years, bad luck. I think it's more bad luck than anything. It's also the position and you need to have someone available Chuba Hubbard is not going to be as good as Christian McCaffrey. And that's the thing. You have someone who's just so overwhelmingly talented that you don't want to take the ball out of his hands. You look at Minnesota, even with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. When Cook's out, Madison produces. But he's not Dalvin Cook. And when Dalvin plays, Madison doesn't touch the ball that much. I would love to have a situation like that in Carolina where when McCaffrey's out there, he touches the ball but maybe limit it to 25 touches per game. So 20 carries, five receptions. That's also dependent upon the quarterback, not constantly checking it down to McCaffrey because something's not available. The first couple weeks, I think it was week one, he had nine receptions. That's on Sam Darnold. He didn't see what he was looking for. They told him, hey, if you don't see that first read, check down to McCaffrey. And Darnold trying to get some confidence, having poor fundamentals. He just came down He's like, oh, my guy's not there down to McCaffrey. And then when McCaffrey was gone, his guy wasn't there. That's when things really started to uh, go sideways for Sam Darnold. So I don't think they necessarily need to do that. I do think Amir Abdullah, if they can retain him, would be great because he adds that element out of the backfield in terms of the passing game that you don't have when Chuba Hubbard's out there and McCaffrey's off the field. Chuba, like what he provided, there's a reason why they drafted him in the fourth round, knowing McCaffrey had injuries in 2020 and that – it would be nice to invest in that position and they liked him and Matt rule got ran all over him. But when he was at Baylor and Chubo was back at Oklahoma state, so I don't think necessarily that they need to go back to a heavy two back system, but McAdoo will likely be on the same page with Matt rule in terms of them wanting to hit that 56 mark of rushes and then completions in a game. All right, Travis, he says, or he asked, do you think that there's any young quarterbacks in the draft that are worth picking and letting them sit behind Cam for next year? Second question with the cap possibly going up, what does that mean for the Panthers or who they can keep, you think? And I also would love to see Hard Knocks in Carolina. The amazing series. The Amazon series was great. Who do you want to see as our special team's coach? Um, okay, so let's start with the first one. Are there any young quarterbacks in the draft worth picking up and letting him sit behind Cam? Uh, Cam's not going to be here next year. Um, so let's just get that out of our heads. I know it's – I get it. I've said before he was never going to be back. I got, I just – I don't see that happening where Cam Newton returns next year here in Carolina. He also said that he wants to go somewhere and win if he's not going to be the starter, and he's not going to be the starter next year. So I don't see that happening. It could happen. I just, from the information I've been given, the vibes is that Cam won't be back. Doesn't matter what Matt Rule said and what Scott Fitter has said, they're not looking to bring back Cam Newton right now. And Cam probably doesn't want to be back here, especially if they're not going to win. Um, but I don't think there's really any young quarterbacks that I'm like in love with. It's Yeah, it makes sense later on in the draft to go get a a developmental quarterback to be your backup of the future. I don't have a problem with that. The problem, though, is if you get another quarterback in free agency who's going to be your starter, then you have Darnold on the roster. You're going to have to have three roster spots go towards the quarterback position. Does Matt Rule want to do that? Didn't want to do it this past season. Still the pandemic issues with COVID-19, but didn't want to do it. Is that... What he's going to continue to do next season? Only have two quarterbacks on the active roster. Even when um, Cam was out, when when Darnold came back, you only saw two quarterbacks active. PJ had the concussion stuff, not the concussion, the COVID stuff. So I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really love any of the quarterbacks coming out this year, anyways. Uh the cap going up. It's their creativity is they only have about twenty eight million dollars. That's what it was. that Scott Vitter was saying. Of cap space that they can use, and you're gonna have to allocate eight or ten of it to the signing your draft class. So then you're already down about 20 million, 18 million. Then they're gonna wanna save some for in season moves. So you're really working about 12 to 13 million dollars of cap space. The good thing is the cap will go up again in 2023 with the league revenue streams coming into new TV deals. That will help. You can always get creative and you can restructure and push some money down the road, which is what New Orleans has done, which is why they're always in cap hell year in and year out. That's what Carolina can do. And Scott Fitter has already said that they're going to have to be creative. So I do trust in him to get that done. Um, yeah, I agree. Hard knocks. Let's do it. Amazon was awesome. Who do I want our special teams coach to be? I, I was joking about it. But like, hey, Joe Judge. I don't – like, why not? (laughs) He was a good special teams coach in New England. Terrible head coach with the Giants. I don't know what his reputation would be in terms of being asked about someone's staff. But, hey, why not? Maybe. Other than that, I don't really know who the special team coaches out there in the NFL are to really answer that question um, with a ton of uh, knowledge. All right. Cedric, do you truly believe we can win the ship with Rule? I'm trying to give him a chance, you know, but I'm asking you. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just so early. It's it's so hard to ever say that because I would look around the NFL and like I think Sean McVay will eventually win the Super Bowl. Like I think he's going to win a Super Bowl this year, but he may never do that. Kyle Shanahan seems like a smart enough guy where he should have already won a Super Bowl, but didn't get it done a couple years ago. And then you can also look at the the Atlanta game. Andy Reid took forever to finally win a Super Bowl. It's just so, only one team can do it. And one coach has basically dominated it over the last 20 years, that being Bill Belichick. Bruce Arians had good teams there in Arizona. They came close to one, at least getting to one, before he'd been blown out of here in Charlotte. He had an NFC title game in 2015. He gets one last year, mainly because he has Tom Brady. Now what is he going to look like if Brady doesn't return? That all to say that it's just not. You can look at a lot of coaches and be like, I think that guy's good enough to win a Super Bowl. He's smart, but everything has to go right. You have to stay healthy. You have to get lucky in the draft and develop and just have overall luck in general year in and year out. And so far, Matt Rule hasn't had great luck, hasn't had great luck in terms of the quarterback position that he's gambled on, hasn't had great luck, with Christian McCaffrey not being healthy and some of the other issues on the offensive line in terms of their health the past two seasons, especially this year, and then you throw in covid which is the worst luck to have as you get the job and then two months into it, the world is coming to an end, basically. All that to say is I highly doubt he'll get it done. And that's also just the fact that you don't see a lot of guys who have a strictly college background come in the NFL, at least since Jimmy Johnson, and win Super Bowls. So, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think that Matt Rule is going to get it done. But we will see. All right, let's take one more quick pause, and then I'll answer the rest of your questions here on this edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag on Locked On Panthers. It's a new year, which means New Year's resolutions, and if yours are about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Built Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Bilt Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it all the time. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, you want to eat healthy, but it gets just so boring. We're here at the end of the month of January, and you're wondering where is the chocolate while well, you're in luck. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your average candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Not only is Built Bar the tastiest option, it also is by far the healthiest option. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. For listeners who served in or worked for the United States Marine Corps or have family or friends who might have, I want to notify you about an available resource. From 1953 to 1987, personnel assigned to Marine corps base Camp Lejeune were potentially exposed to contaminated drinking water. The Marine Corps has since partnered with health agencies to conduct scientific studies to assess impacts from these potential exposures, and they are working to keep those Marines, their families, and civilian employees informed of updates and resources available to them. If you or someone you know may have been at Camp Lejeune during those years, please consider registering for the Camp Lejeune Historic Drinking Water Notification Database. You can learn more and register at Water. That's Water. Okay, a few more before we wrap up here on this Friday. Let's go to Tanner, who usually sends in a lot of questions saying, If you had to place a probability on Sam being the starter game one next year, where would you place it? I'm at 80% because I'm terrified of what it would take to make something worthwhile happen. Let's go back to what Scott Fitterer said during his exit interview on that Monday following the season being over, where he said we're not going to force a quarterback decision. We have to help Sam out. He has to get better. He will look at all options. I believe that. He told us day one and on every deal, and he has stayed true to his word. So I do believe Scott Federer will be in on every deal. But looking at the quarterback landscape across the NFL, if Aaron Rodgers indeed does leave Green Bay, I would imagine that the odds-on favorite in Vegas right now is probably the Denver Broncos' job because Nathaniel Hackett, his OC, just took that job. Rodgers could go there. Devontae Adams likely would want to sign there as well. They already have good receivers and Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. One or two of those guys is going to have to probably go to Green Bay, especially if they want to open up some of that money for Devontae Adams to come, and also the compensation that Denver, or rather Green Bay, is going to want for letting Aaron Rodgers go somewhere else, along with probably a first-round pick as well. Russell Wilson, we'll see. I still don't understand why he wants to leave Seattle. I don't really know what his gripe is. I guess the offensive play calling and all that, but they've done everything to make Russell feel like he's the man in Seattle. That was part of the reason that Richard Sherman wanted out. And you heard things that Michael Bennett said, and a lot of those guys were on that defense, where Russell Wilson, they felt like never received the kind of blame that he should have for that Super Bowl loss, where Daryl Bevel, the OC at the time, instead of handing it off to Marshawn Lynch at the one, decided to throw the ball. I'd never had an issue with the play call. I just thought it was a great play by Malcolm Butler, but also beast mode kind of got you down there. Why not get it done? That led to the fracture in Seattle. It was a great piece um, from Seth Wickersham from ESPN.com about four or five years ago about everything that led to the end of that era of Seattle Seahawks football and a lot of those guys being there. So they've done everything and they've changed the way they're operating where Pete Carroll is just going to coach the team. John Snyder, the GM is going to actually bring in the players going to have final say Kirk Cousins, I don't really see that being something that they should do. Also, just the cap situation is just so difficult for a player who's proven he's not going to take a team to the finish line. Garoppolo, where he cut, would make sense. But if he's not cut and San Francisco is able to leverage another Super Bowl appearance or a Super Bowl by trying to get more assets for Garoppolo, that would be tough. Even though I think it's the most likely scenario that they're going to find another quarterback. I will put it at, I just don't see how they can go into next season with Darnold as their starting quarterback. I don't see how that's going to work out. I don't see the owner, David Tepper, who told us just 13 months ago you need to be in constant pursuit of that franchise quarterback. If you don't have that guy who can win a Super Bowl for you, you got to go find him. We'll see what happens with the Watson deal. Again, that's cap space. That's also a ton of assets you got to give up, and they also want players. Does that work out for the Carolina Panthers? I don't know. It's going to be hard, and I look at the situation, and I saw Josh Klein, who's been on the show before, just talking about how it appears to him that the Carolina Panthers are pretty invested on just offensive line and building that more so than they are on finding that franchise quarterback this offseason. And he was talking about like his read is like they're going to do their dil- due diligence on the quarterback, but as of right now, like it's offensive line heavy in terms of what they want to do. My read on the situation is in terms of quarterback and I've more or less said this before to y'all is that they're probably going to be SOL. And the Darnold contract cap it this year is not great, but over the two seasons and why it made sense for them on on the surface and when they gave up those three assets to get him to pick up the fifth year option because it was basically 11 million dollars per year over two seasons. Now 4 million last year, 18 million this year. Either way, low-end starter money for Sam Darnold, maybe he deserves another chance. Maybe everything we've heard from guys like Jake and anyone who's defended him, that he's a young quarterback, I gave him time, let him develop. If he has more around him, if McCaffrey stays healthy, you got a better offensive line that Sam Darnold can be someone who can help win games in the NFL. But all he's done is turn the football over going back to his final year at USC, and I it doesn't seem like Ben McAdoo was a huge fan of him from all the clippings I've seen from his conversation. I think it was with the New York Post that's been out, put out there on Twitter last week. I don't know. I would say there is a 30% chance that Sam Darnold's starting quarterback next year, if you're asking. I'll put that out there, week one. Because even if you get the right guy, someone like if you get Garoppolo, he could get hurt. Because that's all he's ever done since he's gotten to San Francisco and even dating back to his time in New England. Okay, um, this guy's like Twitter name is Dumb Things My Friends Say. So, this is his question, um, asking, do you think that Brady Christensen can be the future at left tackle, or do you think that we still draft one? If we do draft one, where do we put Christensen part two? What do you think about Linderbaum at number six? Uh, Yeah, Christensen can be the future at left tackle. It appears to me, though, is that the Carolina Panthers organization, Matt Rule and the Scouts and everyone in that front office think that they would be better off finding someone who is a first-round talent or a Teron Armstead to put at left tackle opposed to putting Brady Brady Christensen. Remember, they valued him more as a guard. Second-round grade as a guard, third-round grade as a tackle. If you have a third-round grade on Brady Christensen as a tackle and you're sitting there at six and there's a tackle available who's a first-rounder, you're going to take that tackle, especially if you think that guy, like a Charles Cross or whoever might be, uh, Evan Neal, could be a 10-year starter for you at that position. Like, if Evan Neal gets a six, they're taking him. Like, I know I'm pretty good authority. If Evan Neal gets a six, he will be a Carolina Panther. Just like last year, had Panay got the eight, he would have been a Carolina Panther. Like, it's not like they didn't try. Beatty Christensen, if he doesn't play left tackle, probably factors um, in at right guard, and then we'll see where they go from there. I would love to have Tyler Lindenbaum at number six overall. Mainly... Because the center is a, is a line of communication. We get so caught up on the blind side. The Carolina Panthers haven't had one, but I think we've also overvalued or undervalued just how important that center position was and how good of a job Ryan Khalil did for this team. Like Paradis came in, wasn't great his first year, bounced back his second year, gets injured this past season after not really being all good, not having stability at the, that center position. It would is going to hurt the team, and. I would love to have him. Like, if I had my choice, they'd get someone in free agency at left tackle, like uh, Armstead and, or Orlando Brown Jr., or like they do that, and then they draft Lindenbaum at six. That's what I'd love to see the Carolina Panthers do as it pertains to the offensive line. Cause then you can probably just shift over Elf Line to left guard, or right or wherever, and if or at least have a competition between Elf Line and, and Deontay Brown. And then Dennis Daly for that guard position. And you got depth, and you also have Cam Irving, who could play guard if you need him to. So you got four guys right there competing for one spot, and having better depth and better frontline starters on the offensive line. That would be my preferred scenario. Final question of the week comes from Brody, who says we've been hearing a lot of cons about McAdoo. Can you offer us some pros or pluses about bringing McAdoo in? Certainly. Matt Rule sought out to find experienced play caller. Box-checked with Ben McAdoo. As I mentioned last week, when he took over the OC job, the Giants had one of the bottom third offenses in the league. He brought him to the middle after his first year and into the top 10 in his second year. That's really good work. And you can talk all about Eli Manning being there, but he also had injuries like with Victor Cruz, and there was other injuries on our offensive line. So to be able to do that and have that success, that says a lot about what Ben McAdoo is capable of being. Also, he's a former head coach. Things didn't work out. He probably is not, saw, He's probably. I don't think, probably, obviously, is not fit to be a head coach, at least at the time. Maybe down the road he might be fit to be an NFL head coach and deserving of a second opportunity. This league loves retread hires. We'll see what happens. That's a positive. At the very least, you can offer some sort of guidance to Matt Rule going into this third year. Because even if you weren't a good head coach, you can tell them the do's and don'ts. And McAdoo certainly knows plenty of the don'ts when it comes to being a head coach in a National Football League. And if Christian McCaffrey's healthy, I'm sure Ben McAdoo can find a way to really to use him. And he's worked with guys like Odell Beckham Jr., even if they didn't have a great list ship. So he's going to know how to find a way to get DJ more of the ball more and hopefully get DJ more touchdowns. He only had four again this past season. Like, let's get DJ some double-digit touchdowns next season. That's Those are positives. The experience factor, the fact that he's had success calling plays in this league, all of that, I think, are things to point to as positives and a reason why Ben McAdoo could be a really good OC here for the Carolina Panthers. So let's focus on that for now. So I appreciate you asking that, Brody, because I know oftentimes when we see that higher, we're like, eh. But considering what was available to Matt Rule... That was the best option for him. So you can't really be that upset. All right. Thanks for the questions again this week on Locked on Panthers, the weekly Friday mailbag. Again, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. Make sure to at me at Julian Council or DM me at Julian Council if you want to participate in next week's weekly Friday mailbag or maybe next month's or the month after that because we do it every single Friday here on the show, folks. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. And you can check us out on Spotify and all the other great podcasting platforms out there on the interwebs. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Be safe. Apparently, it's going to snow again three weeks in a row. Getting a ton of snow down here in the Carolinas, wherever you may be. Stay safe. Be happy. Take a deep breath. Enjoy your weekend. And I will talk to you all on Monday.